Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Talkin' Jacks. I am Alex Warren, and I am joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Ben Gosshorn, a.k.a. The Soccer Goose. How are you doing today, Ben? I'm doing great. I hope that Mike <laughs> caught me opening a beer, because that was the plan. Yeah. Celebration. Yeah. Celebratory bah, 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 beer. I'm not going to throw it in the air, but... Woo-hoo! All right, we can't sing anymore. We might get sued. um so the independents are coming off their very first one of the season just a little less than 24 hours ago the match wrapped up against bethlehem we won two to one um behind goals from andrew gutman and jorge herrera the ageless wonder and the youngster he's not the youngest player on the team though i don't think i I believe mark hill might be younger than gutman yeah i think mark hill's like 20 um, I forget how which is old hard to believe. Look when you look at it, because he does not look twenty. Yeah, he, he does he, not. He is. Um, he's a little baby. Yeah, I guess yeah. Curtis Anderson is a baby too. So. Yeah, he's probably the youngest at eighteen. I don't know how old Kivatuka is, to be honest with you, but we'll just say it's. Uh, Regardless, it's, uh, we were we had goals yeah. from uh, both ends of the age spectrum on the team last night. Um, but first, yeah. we're gonna rewind back to last Saturday which was only four days ago um, yeah, right. <laughs> because we had to play on super short rest last night. Um, mm-hmm. Just at, at, We've already ranted about that. I don't want to go over it again. But let's talk about briefly um, the game that took place. It was against New York Red Bulls at home. We previewed it with Joe Goldstein. Felt like um, you know he told us to watch out for Tom Barlow, and, and we didn't do it. So yeah. he, took, he took advantage of... What looked like some poor marking on one of the goals, and um, mm-hmm. and I mean, you know, he, he, take nothing away from him. They were both good finishes. Um, Independence kind of. So I, I gotta be honest here. I only watched the last thirty minutes of the match. I didn't. I have not. I'm, things have been crazy for me. I have not been able to watch the first sixty minutes. But when I looked at the FOTMOB stats, it w- did not paint a very pretty picture for our performance. Uh, we took the early lead uh, behind Nikki Jackson's debut goal. Um, and we'll get to Nikki Jackson here in a bit, I believe. Um, but after that, it seemed like New York really controlled everything. They had they, had, they outshot us 14-5, to 5, I believe, in the first 60 minutes of the game, uh, despite mm. them, despite us trailing for most of that stretch and we didn't really make up the that shot differential until the last 25 minutes where we really kind of took it to them um much like we've seen you know in the indy 11 game and the atlanta united 2 game where we really pushed those last 25 minutes but unfortunately we're, we're unable to to put the ball in the back of the net jorge herrera had a couple of really good opportunities um i think one laura really robbed him uh, with a great save and the other one i think he was caught in two minds trying to kind of dink the ball over the top, um, but just didn't quite get enough um, lift on it and kind of, I think, put it right into Laro's chest. Um, but, you know, good things, for especially that last 25 minutes. But uh, what did you see, especially in the first uh, 60 minutes, since you were the only one who watched it? <laughs> um, it felt like a better overall performance. Um, I honestly felt like I was pretty scared going against them, to be quite frank with you, um, because the games I've been able to watch of them, 
Um, specifically that first game when they played against Swope Park, the, the Red Bulls, I should clarify to say, they they could have scored like 10 goals, seven goals mm-hmm. easily. Tom Barlow missed two, three opportunities that were gimme goals. Um, and the, the amount of sheer one-on-one opportunities and things like that, I thought we were going to really leave our defense hanging. And I think we did a better overall job. We just messed up on two occasions that led to goals. And that's, you can't do that against a team like this. Um, that's going to be pretty clinical and give them the opportunities that they had. Um, it's hard to really pinpoint what the issue is. I, I don't, but overall, I think it was a pretty good um, overall game, I would think. Um, just couldn't really finish at the other end, too. I mean, that one goal we had, who I'm for some reason forgetting. Oh, yeah, Nicky Jackson scored it. That was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really cool to see him get involved. And he was, he's one of the most physical forwards I've seen. Um, in USL, I would think. I mean, he's he's not a huge guy, but he's really not afraid to get into it with with whoever the center back is. Um, and that was a consistent thing. Um, refereeing again wasn't great. I'm not going to harp on that too much, so I don't go on a rant. But uh, needless to say, the refereeing was not great. Nothing really uh, stuck out to me when I, when I was watching, but um, I guess you were there. I did yeah. see the photo of you kind of chasing him down uh, yeah. in the first <laughs> half. Yeah, that was uh, – there were a couple suspect offside calls that were called I very see. early, um, pretty early in the game, before we scored, so that if that's any reference. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it, it was just a, a, another not great game that I um, – it feels like a blur at this point. It was like – four days ago um however long ago it was but um yeah in comparison to the next game which do you want to transition to that now well i was gonna see so you actually talked to some of the players on sunday after the game about the red bulls match did they have any insight into maybe what happened no i I was only able to talk to hugh and there there wasn't any specific insight that i'm thinking off the top of my head it's just the main thing I'll say, talking with you, um, which it was just, it was fantastic talking with him, just like I would any normal person. Hugh's fantastic. If you get a chance, you see him after a game, talk with you. He's outstanding. <laughs> yeah, I was really upset I had to miss it. Um, but the wedding festivities um, kind of took precedent. Uh, yeah. We didn't get out of the house in time to, to swing by Jack's house first. Um, it's all good. So, but. The main thing that he that I took away from talking with him about the season in general, um, because to be honest, I didn't really want to bring it up because it kind of felt like an awkward conversation to have. Like, <laughs> yeah, we haven't been great, but like that's it's the elephant in the room, I guess you could say. Um, but I mean, he he really reiter- reiterated what I would hope he would say is that they're really trying out there. They're just waiting for things to really mesh as a club. Um, and that they're not okay with where we are. Um, and and Because you can always look at it from a certain perspective in that, I mean, we got a lot of guys from different places that haven't played in the USL very frequently or at all. 
Um, and it could look like they're just here to play a game. Um, and he definitely leaned towards the idea that they're they're not okay with the outcome we've been having, and they're kind of just getting used to everything with McGinnis. Um, and I think that uh, kind of showed in the next game too. Yeah, so let's go ahead and jump then to the Bethlehem game. Um, the final score was 2-1. to one. But really, the, the, it was kind of a flip-flop game in that the independents controlled the first 70 minutes. Mm. Um, and really, I mean, if, outside of just a handful of um, – there were a couple bad giveaways that led to some chances, but nothing crazy. Um, mm. I mean, they were really in control for the first 70 minutes. And then once Bethlehem – once they scored the second goal and then once Bethlehem kind of got that fluky goal – um, it really flipped, and it, uh, it Bethlehem was really on the front foot the last 15 or 20 minutes, um, which then, you know, we had a couple of really good counterattack opportunities and just couldn't um, put them away because, I mean, we really should have put them away 3-1 to one, probably. There were two two moments that uh, Nicky Jackson kind of showed his inexperience and probably unfamiliarity with his teammates. Um, yeah. There was... Uh, you know, we can kind of. There was a breakaway uh, where he dragged two defenders with him, and Jorge Herrera was wide open. If he had just slid the ball across, Jorge Herrera could have uh, put it in. And then he worked a fantastic give and go, I believe, with Alex um, on a counterattack, and just just you know put his foot just over the ball on what would have been a tap in had he made contact um but all in all it was a really solid performance um i think what stuck out stuck out to me the most was that was the most organized organized we looked defensively um we 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 had a distinct 442 shape defensively um yeah. guys were cutting out lanes pretty well there were a couple times where guys closed down a little too aggressively and left you know, left some space behind and left their the guys behind them kind of out to dry a little bit. But all in all, um, there weren't a lot of chaotic moments defensively, which I think is why you saw us control the game the way we did in the first seventy minutes. So you were there. Uh, what were some of your excuse me? What were some of your observations from being there uh, at the game? Um, I mean, going into the game, I honestly was pretty. I don't want to say I was down on how we, how their roster and how what we were going to have available, and eventually seeing both our starting lineups, or both the starting lineups. I was, I honestly went into the game thinking if we lose this, I'm not going to be mad about it because we're playing against a very high level Bethlehem Steel club, Bethlehem Steel roster, I should say. Um, even if we were playing against a, a traditional Bethlehem Steel roster. I wasn't necessarily optimistic, quite frankly, um, with the short rest and everything. So going into the match, it just feel, felt like we were pretty settled. Um, it's interesting because the more I think about it, I don't want to say that the steel weren't pressing, but it kind of felt like they were allowing us to, to, to do our own thing as far as possessing the ball and moving the ball around without much pressure on us. It kind of felt like, mm -hmm. 
Um, would you agree with that or no? In a way. So I what I noticed yeah. is they were they were pressing the back four kind of frantically, especially at especially for the yeah. first twenty minutes or so. They were really pressing the back four. And that was when we probably looked our shakiest of the first seventy minutes before, mm-hmm. you know, we before Bethlehem really took took it to us a little bit. Um you know, we saw a couple of guys who got under pressure and played some bad passes. Um, I can think of a couple of moments. Uh, I think Taku, there was one where, uh, I don't know, I don't remember if it was Tico or Hugh Roberts that they kind of fell down as they were passing the ball to Taku. And for whatever reason, Taku decided to slide and pass it right back to the player who had just fallen down. So they were on the ground and it ended up right at the feet of a Bethlehem player. Like moments like that where Bethlehem was pressing really that 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 our back line um but like you said once we kind of broke that initial press um we didn't have too many problems moving the ball uh, i don't know if that was a tactical thing or if it was just that they were a little maybe disorganized uh like we've seen the independence be with their press um i think i think you know maybe some of the unfamiliarity with their team played because like you were saying they brought up like eight or nine guys that are you know in contention for the 18 man roster for the Philadelphia union some days. Um, so they, they brought in some of their top prospects and some of their um, kind of guys who are fighting for first team minutes um, because of the, probably because of the short rest, to be honest. I mean, um, you saw James chambers for them sit, sit out, which I actually think is, was probably the key to the game uh, yep. that kind of explains Bethlehem's poor performance for the first 70 minutes, because I mean, James Chambers is their captain. He is their fulcrum in the midfield. He is their their leader on vocally. I mean, he's he's the one. He's the guy that sets the energy level. And he wasn't on the field for them. So what I noticed from them is they were they had a lot of energy, but it wasn't organized energy. They were they were yeah. pressing the really high and kind of frantically at the at the front, and then the midfield kind of broke down, um, and we were able to pass through them, especially. On the wings, Alex uh, and Alex yeah. and um, Joel Johnson really connected well on the outside on the right, and Andrew Gutman and Jake really connected well on the left. Um, we pretty much had our way on the wings, and unfortunately, it didn't lead to any goals until the Alex passed to Jorge at the end of the game. Um, but those were the areas that we took advantage of the most. I thought um, we had, and we had a couple of chances that we. Um, that, that were really nice in the first half. Uh, Jake had that awesome run where he just turned that guy inside out and it ultimately led to the free kick, which led to the yeah. goal, um, which that, that free kick was awesome. I don't, I, I don't know how much um, I didn't even realize that it hit the post on the first view. I thought the yeah. keeper saved it is what I thought. Um, oh, wow. But I mean, to, for Mark Hill to even attempt that from that angle yeah. and, and put it, that close to being to sneaking in the near post was in, mm-hmm. absolutely incredible free kick. Um, he's yeah. been he's shown that he's got that quality over a dead ball, which uh, the the guys the Devonker and um, Tyler Terrence on the announcing were saying. You know, we really haven't had a guy like that since Lewis Hilton, um, who could really hit a dead ball from all the different angles. You know, Jorge has that one spot on the field that he likes uh, to, yeah. to strike a dead ball and. We've seen Enzo try some stuff, but re- rarely put it on frame. So it, mm. it's it's definitely awesome to have a guy who can 
both go for goal and deliver, you know, good corner kicks, good good delivery from out wide. Um, but yeah, that and then Gutman kind of following it and being the fir- being the first man to the ball was great great instincts by him. And um, I think that the the finish was actually better than it looked like. I mean, you think that's probably just a tap in, but the the velocity at which it was coming down for him to not. Uh, yeah. to not miss it, to not miss hit it at all, um, mm. and get it in is, is I think a little bit more difficult than you would think. Yep. Loved, think, loved everything about that goal. Yeah. I, I actually had, um, forgotten or didn't realize until just now that, uh, that exchange that airman had on the wing where he was, he just, <laughs> he was dancing on him. He was, did you see the, I, I forget who had tweeted it, but somebody had tweeted, Something like uh, Jake, he has a family. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. It was uh, it was pretty great. It, it almost felt like it was a uh, a desperation foul because he was just so kind of embarrassed. What just happened? Well, I mean, he, yeah. I mean, once Jake put it through his legs and nutmegged him, he was like, "All right, I gotta foul this guy, or else my career, yeah. I gotta quit. I gotta retire at the age of yeah. like 18. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the poor guy. Well, I think was... I think the poor guy hurt his hamstring like 20 minutes later. Um, oh, so like same? he, I think that so. So God, Jake, yeah. Jake just like tortured him out there. Oh, I think that but was I, I tell you what though, Jake, Jake is so much better when he plays wide left. Um, yeah, he's so he much more effective space. because he gets in that space and yeah. he has, I guess, less, um, less responsibility, I guess. And when he's not in the middle of the field, he doesn't have to mm-hmm. worry about, um, the defensive midfielder, the, the, the center back, the, striker coming back from the middle of the field to take the ball off him he's got you know maybe two defenders out there and he's got one one or two offensive options so it it just simplifies the game for him and he can show off some of those skills and 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 that um technical ability that he's got and he to me he just that that just opens up that left side so much more than when he's stuck in the middle um and, and we've seen him do some good things in the middle but more often than not he um he's way more effective out wide yeah, I think he's he's really taken some strides with his ability to um, just get around defenders and mm-hmm. take them on. Yeah, uh, it, it's been really pretty exceptional to watch him uh, increase his uh, skills in that sense. Yeah, um, I think he's he could still work on um, you know some decision making. There was a moment in the Red Bulls game uh, he made a great run. And then he had a pass, and he waited just a little too long. And I think, uh, I think, I think it was Oduro or um, Nicky Jackson ended up being a step offside when he did release the pass. Um, mm. Stuff like that, just like little things, and that's going to come. I think. I think that's a combination yep. of it being early in the season and still trying to get on the same page with everybody else, as well as um, yep. you know, once he's in that moment again, he's going to know, okay, I've got to release this one touch sooner, um, and, and, and then that's going to come off. Uh, but yeah, Jake, um, doing what he did last year, you know, steadily improving each game. Um, that's, that's one of the, you made the comparison in the past to Lewis Hilton. And I think it's a little less, um, it's a little less the like skills and, and the role that he's going to play, but the work ethic and the steady improvement, I think you're, you're square Mm -hmm. on, um, because Lewis was not a, like a, he wasn't a starter from day one, 
mm-hmm. he worked his way into the team and and steadily improved, which is just what Jake has done. He's you know worked his way into the team last season, steadily improved. You know we've seen him play all over the field, um, and I think he's kind of yeah. finding his sweet spot there on that that wide left position. Yeah, I think he's making it difficult for McGinnis to not include him. Uh, yeah, I agree because I think start for a, a long stretch of the game. Yeah, yeah. He, the only area that concerns me is he's still a little bit erratic in his pressing. Um, he closes down really aggressively, and that's a good thing. But sometimes he over, he's overly aggressive in his close downs and gets beat. So like, I, I, it happened a number of times. He would close down just a little bit too aggressively, and either you know, if, whether it was the winger or the um, fullback, they would just kind of dribble right past him, and mm-hmm. then somebody else had to kind of pick up the slack. So that's going to that's gonna be probably the next step for him to, you know, get, get on the field consistently and stay on the field is to close down those passing lanes but under control to where he's not getting dribbled past, you know, five, six, seven times a game. Yep. It's uh, – but overall, as the game continued, it just – it felt like we had a lot of space, like you said, on the wings. Um, and it really – Really, we really weren't tested until pretty late, too. Yeah, I think I, um, it was just like we took the once we scored that first goal, we really took the air out of Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where again missing James Chambers hurt them because he would probably get them right back on on track and say, "Hey guys, you know we got to move on. We got to we got to go get another goal or get a goal back." Um, yeah, and he would kind of encourage them on, but it's a lot harder to do that from the bench. Um, especially with i mean the, i think the oldest player on the field for them was like Derek jones and i think he's like 23 or 24 like not a lot of not a ton of experience out there for them last night yeah it definitely seemed like i think as much as i was afraid of the the mls loan monster i think this was an example of the mls loan monster kind of being a downfall of a two club or b club or reserve squad whatever you want to call them in the sense that they they didn't seem quite confident in what they were doing necessarily. Because there was a number of times throughout the game, but definitely pretty early on too, where there was a pass either just drastically off or just went straight out of bounds. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it, was, it was interesting um, to see that happen. And it kind of, I think we just, we had a pretty darn solid game. Um, all things considered, um, it, it did seem like not to jump too far ahead, but, um, no, you can jump ahead. It doesn't matter. Leans, leans towards it. I think when James Chambers came on the pitch, um, was when I was the most afraid. Um, I, well, that was right. I think, didn't that, didn't he come on right after they scored? Right before. Right before. Okay. Um, I knew it was late. Oh wait! I oh, expected yeah. him. I, you know, the way the way they struggled, I expected him to come on fairly early in the second yeah. half. But you know, this early in the season too, you got to think they were probably managing his his body as well. You know, just kind of yeah. kind of how we did. We had to rest some guys just because mm-hmm. it, you can't just throw throw guys out there, especially the way we play. You can't just throw them out there um, week game yeah. after game with with such short rest. Um, but yeah, you're right. When he came on, it really did flip. Hmm. Yep. Um, and one thing, I think, leaning into the the second goal, I think this was the best game 
we've seen Alex play in quite some time. I, I think he played a, a darn near perfect game. Yeah, quite Alex. Frankly. Alex was phenomenal. Um, yeah, he did. I mean, any everything and anything you could expect of him to do, he did. I mean, he was he tracked back really well defensively. He was a menace. Um, he he his passing was fantastic. He linked up yeah. really well with with Joel and uh, you know the Jorge and, and really the, anybody up front. He hooked up. He had re- some really good moments with um, Nikki Jackson. Some great little one twos. Uh, none of them really came off into any kind of real chance, but it was great to see mm-hmm. them on the same page so quickly. Um, that yeah, that that really was a great stellar performance from Alex. Yeah, and that uh, oh, before I forget, we can go back to the Jake Ehrman uh, hype train. <laughs> that dime he placed to Jorge Herrera. Oh my goodness, that pa- that pass that was. Like, I saw him doing it, and I was like, okay, okay cool. The defender's going to clear it because there's no way Herrera's going to get to that. Herrera, and Herrera did his damnedest. Like, it, that was a beautiful ball from Jake. Uh, Jorge did everything he could to get that on, to get that shot off. He he bodied that defender, which I'm pretty sure was, is that number 44 he did that to? I think it was 44. I am not... I don't I remember which was, center back it was, but it, yeah, yeah, I mean that moment. Both of them were huge. It was a shame that he didn't score that because that was such a yeah. good. I mean, it was so. The only ball that was better in the game probably was Alex's later in the game. Yeah, um, and it was <laughs> almost identical from just the other side of the field, almost yep. identical spot on the field, um, similar scenario. You know, picking Jorge out in between two center backs, um, and and that's another thing Jorge does so well is he gets in those spaces where yeah. he he just drifts and gives himself enough space to get a shot off. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the first touch on Jake's ball was just exquisite. Um, but the just to, I think you were talking about earlier on Twitter, the height disadvantage that he had against the defender that he was going up against. He was able to create enough space before the ball came in to where he, he was able to take advantage. Because I think, you know, when you played for that long, you just know... Okay, there's no way a guy's if, if if Alex puts this ball on the money, there's nothing nothing the defender's gonna be able to do, um, and and that was exactly what Alex did. Alex put it right on his head, and yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, the the amount of because if you watch that clip, the space that Jorge has between that he finds between the defender when that ball's coming to him, it's minuscule. There's mm-hmm. not much, and the amount of loft and trajectory that Alex put on that ball, it was perfect because it as as I tweeted out a little bit ago, Herrera is 5'8 and 38 years old. That defender is 18 years old and 6'3. There and, is no reason yeah. why he shouldn't have just cleared that. Jorge can still that, jump pretty well though. I, I mean... Oh, yeah. It, the, the way that he... It just felt like he guided the ball into the most unsavable part of the net, too. That was the other amazing thing is because you you see him go for that jump and he just glides through the air and just just knocks it into the the top corner where and the keeper for the steal was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, Um, we could have if he had not been so good, I think we probably would have scored two more because there's there was another Jorge attempt. (laughs) 
Um, and, and Jorge probably could have done a little bit better with it, to be honest. He did put yeah. it right kind of – he made it a little bit easy on the keeper, but it was still a, a fast reaction save um, because Jorge did take it early, take it first time. Uh, and he tried to just t- you know beat, beat the keeper kind of around him. Kind of similar to, to the goal or the attempt against Laro that Laro saved. I think the Laro's save was a little bit more difficult. He had to move, do a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I thought, I mean, we just created really quality chances. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Nikki Jackson had a, a big part to play in that as well. We haven't talked about him at all. I do want to talk about him um, before you can, we're, we're getting a little long on this review. Uh, but I do briefly want to talk about Nikki Jackson. Um, he is essentially what you described a couple weeks ago on the podcast when we were asked yes. um, <laughs> if we could sign like one position, uh, what would it be? You said you wanted a hold-up target striker. Um, and Nikki Jackson, so far, from what I've seen of him, is the perfect player um, for that role. He, yeah. I mean, he's got, I said last night, he's got Jan Ekra-like hold-up ability where yeah. when he gets on the ball, it's going to take two or three defenders to knock him off. And more often than not, he's going to earn a free kick because he is strong and he's tough as nails. You could see there's no back down in him. Um, yeah. And he, I mean, he is just strong on the ball. Um, I, I did say, you know, he did have a couple of moments where he didn't, make the right decision or just, I mean, he just missed that goal, um, on the, on the counter attack with, uh, I believe it was Alex, but all in all, I really, really like what I see out of him. And I think what he's going to allow us to do is to rest some of these, you know, older, more experienced, um, forward players like Oduro and Jorge, um, I think that's really a key is to be able to ro- rotate and rest those guys. Um, and, and he's going to give us more options because if he starts, he's going to be a really great release valve for when we are under pressure. Um, we saw that a number of times when Bethlehem was putting us under pressure. We have somebody to aim the ball at, and it's not just clearing it and, and, and surrendering possession. It's, oh, we've got this guy who if we put the ball near him, he's going to go after it. And we like his chances to win the ball. Um, and he was smart with his layoffs. You know, he's not, he did have that moment where he probably should have laid it off to Jorge, but he wasn't a selfish player. He, he passed the ball really well, passed and moved a lot. Um, he got into really good positions too. Like he was at man, he just, he, he impressed me a lot to, to play as well as he did, um, while not, you know, only being in training for like a week or so. Yeah. Um, that's that's the most impressive part to me is because he's going to get even more comfortable playing with these guys, you know, assuming there's no injuries to anybody up front in Colorado. Um, I think he could be a really important player for us. Yeah, I think he's the ability for him to just fit into the, his role. And really the other interesting thing I hadn't really quite thought about until right just now is the fact that everyone's fitting around him too. Because I, I wouldn't say that we've really been a, been playing with a hold-up striker up until this point. We haven't. So everyone's been forming around him with our attack, and you've seen the benefits of it pretty pretty early on. And at this point, I mean, he his conversion um, or his shots on target for total shots is only two. 
shots on target versus six total shots, but that's six shots in two games. That, yeah, I mean it's that's play. a really small sample size, so I'm not too worried about that. Um, I I was just really impressed with everything he did. Really, I mean defensively, I think he was surprisingly um, on the same page with a lot of guys as well. Um, I mean he he played a really important role in the second goal. You know he gets the ball. I don't. You know it looks like maybe um, Taku takes it off the original player to begin with but he's right there and he turns immediately plays the ball out wide to Alex who then um you know puts it on a dime to Jorge's head but stuff like that is we haven't seen that we've seen a lot of um guys maybe holding the ball just a little too long and and not trusting their teammates or just not being on the same page and knowing that they're going to make that run um it was great to see him get the ball up so many times and and then make smart runs forward to drag defenders, you know, out of position. Um, just really strong performance from him as well. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. I, you know, he, I, I have my fingers crossed that he's not just going to immediately get recalled to Colorado. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> which is, I mean, it, to be honest, it's really kind of bizarre that he ended up here in the first place. Yeah. Uh, I think he did spend some time with switchbacks last year. Um, and since there is no formal relationship between us and Colorado now, um, I, I want to assume that any kind of players that we get from them are going to be more long-term loans. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, they did add, um, they added like three forwards in the off season. I think Colorado did. So like, I, oh, did I, it's going to be hard for him to get in, get minutes up there. Um, and them sending him to Charlotte rather than Colorado Springs, I think makes me think yep. he's going to be here longer because if they were going to just call him back and forth a lot, they'd probably just send him to Colorado Springs. Um, and I think for his development and career, he probably wants to be playing somewhere where he can play every day and be a focal point in the team rather than, you know, not knowing where he's going to play week in and week out, um, or whether or not he's going to play for that matter. So yeah. I was trying to see if the the exact wording of his loan was a uh, season long loan or what exactly um, it was in the release. Is... I think it said something about they have the right of recall, which is typical with MLS. Yeah. They can recall it their does. loanees at any yeah. moment. Um, they can. How dare they? But I yeah. will agree um, that that um, I'm leaning towards the idea that unless he just scores an absurd amount of goals and on top of the fact that um the the rapids have some injuries at the forward position that'd really be the only scenario where he has to go back i would think um i don't see yeah i would agree with that why we're getting him here is because the switchbacks don't really need him and they're i don't think they're going to just retract him back for a a, a day or that kind of thing hopefully right um, if not, they're gonna have to send a Sam Vines and is a replacement. That's that's what we're gonna have to to have in, in the agreement. I'm not sure um, Sam Vines is gonna do too well at at um, the number nine, but well, sure, I mean, we'll go for it. Maybe tried. we can we can put Gutman up there and then put Sam back at left back. There you go, Gutman and Vines up top. How about that? Mm-hmm. Well, the youngest, well not the youngest, but we'll have one of the youngest uh, forward combos <laughs> and short as well. So, um, all right. Let's uh let's do listener questions 
Cool. And uh, this is already going to be a long episode, and I don't want to take up too much pe- too much more of people's time. So, uh, first question is from Brian Cook. Um, hey, Brian. He has two questions. He said, who were you more, more pleased to see score, Herrera or Gutman? Um, let's answer that one first. So, for me, it was Jorge, just because you never know how many goals Jorge has left that you're going to get to witness. Um, yeah. So it's always sweet to see him score. Plus I do have that prediction that he's going to outscore Dane Kelly. So, and Dane Kelly scored twice this week. So I needed him to get one uh, yeah. to, to draw even deep. with, to draw even with Dane Kelly on the year. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <that's>... for, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think I, I want to lean towards Herrera because just the sheer magnitude of the goal um the sheer play of the goal um it would have been really nice to see mark hill put that on target and i, I think oh, it would have man been, that, that would have been a debate mark hill that that free kick from mark hill versus jorge Herrera's goal. well i mean it was one um, thing to to even just notice that the keeper was cheating to the far post but it was a yeah. totally totally different thing to say oh okay i think i can catch him and and, and put it in the near post yeah. and he just, and to then do it. I mean, practice uh, nearly do it. Um, mm-hmm. if, you know, if he'd have put just, a just a, a scoosh, a scoosh less rotation yeah. on it. Um, yep. it would have been in the, in the net, but regardless, Gutman showed good instincts, uh, in front of goal to, to be right there to pounce. Um, so yeah. So second question is as fans and for the team, what does it mean to get that first W of the season? Uh, for me, it was just it's just relief because yeah, it's like how close can we come against Atlanta to not getting it? And then you know New York, we we were close to pulling out a point, um, but to f- just finally get that done um, and out of the way, I think hopefully. The players weren't thinking too much about it, but they probably were, to be honest. I mean, you could yeah. tell certain individual players. We've seen Enzo is really pressing. He really wants, obviously, really wants to succeed individually and as a team. I mean, you can tell these guys are hungry for for winning. Um, Jorge had a lot more edge last night than I than we were used to seeing. Um, I think there was there was an incident that kind of sparked that, um, but we saw him, you know making a slightly aggressive tackle. I, mean, I don't think it was a foul, uh, but it made ben, it made oh, Bethlehem yeah. mad. Um, but if he had missed the ball, it could have been like a red card. So oh, like yeah, it, it, it was, that's the type of thing that Jorge just doesn't do a lot of. Um, you don't yeah. see him get, and you don't see him get angry very often. Um, and we saw him get angry. So like I, you can just, it just, you could just tell it was wearing on the team to not be playing, uh, to not be getting the results. Um, so I think that now they can just relax and go play soccer. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to see to see that. Um, hopefully the the stress and the anxiety is gone um, and they can just go play. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll definitely agree with a lot of the points you brought up. Because really at a certain point you just – you have to get that monkey off your back. And at a certain point, too, our defense has got to have the ability to just relax. Mm-hmm. Because you, you could almost attribute a lot of the the little mistakes here and there to simply being down or trailing for X amount of time compared to the amount of time that we 
we're not trailing. Um, yeah. And, and that's that's got to put some stress on their shoulders with, with everything they're doing, uh, quite frankly. Um, and and that, that amount of pressure has got to build up and, and, and can't be good to, to deal with. Um, so really, it just felt, like you said, it was a huge relief. Um, it was a pretty big surprise to me. I mean, if you would have told me that we lost to the Red Bull in the fashion we did going up and then letting up two goals that we didn't answer and then beating a team that we lost to twice last year has had a lot of players on it that were from the MLS. I, I wouldn't have expected this outcome, to be honest with you, especially our depleted roster Mm -hmm. um, that we had started to, because there was a lot of question marks that I saw on this roster. We were playing the same back line that played four days ago. We're playing a new goalkeeper mm -hmm. with Anderson. Um, who's never another guy. We didn't even, we didn't even mention Anderson. Yeah. Great debut. Didn't have a yep. whole lot to do until the very end. Um, yep. but when he did have things to do, he did them well. Um, I, I liked that he was aggressive coming off his line. Um, mm -hmm. and he was, he was decisive. And then when he was decisive, he, made a strong play like when he came out yep. at the end and punched punched that uh loose ball and then got back and kept james chain you know i don't think that was going in the net but he was decisive like once again yeah. he, like i liked that about him um there was no hesitation which you want to see in a young player um sorry back to the question or question at hand <laughs> yeah no i mean i would definitely agree with that though it's just like there were a lot of parts on the field where I'm like, well, we've got two strikers that haven't played together. We've got Alex and Jake on the wings again. Um, and we've got Mark Hill and Taku, who I'm pretty confident have not played in the midfield together. And they did exceptional together, I think. Um, and I think the other thing I, I meant to bring up when we were talking about Alex, but there was a moment where Alex was passing it through to Taku and I think either Taku wasn't going to get to or he didn't get to it or it was a broken play. And we've seen time after time where Alex just gets super frustrated. He, he, it almost feels like he's complaining to the player that messed up the, that, that didn't get there or himself or just shouting frustration. He high five Taku as he went by him. I've never seen Alex do that <laughs> personally. And that's, another step in the right direction for him and i think it shows that he he's on the right path to just being a calm player being a um a quality player and i think that's the the amount of time that we we're able to be comfortable on the ball and attack with the lead lend to those opportunities really and those those abilities to grow as a team gotcha all right. Uh, Chris Davis asks, which week do you project we will reach the top of the table? <laughs> so speaking of the top of the table, it is held by New York Red Bulls, who we lost to on Saturday. They are having 13 points, and we are in 15th place with four points. So we have to make up nine points. What week is it? It's week six? I think it's week six. Week 12? Yeah, we're going to be at the top of the table by week 12. Because we're going to win the league. Um, there we go, yeah. Now that, now that we got that first win out of the way, there you now go. we're just going to yeah. win the rest of the games. I no, did, but seriously, I... if you, like we have literally played... Uh, every team we've played is in the top 10 right now, in the playoffs. 
like like our schedule has been brutal. We have played first place, second place, fifth place, sixth place, seventh place, and tenth place. Next week, yeah. our Saturday we play eighth place. The following Saturday we play third place. Mm. Like it's only going to get better, everybody. And I mean, <laughs> when you're in fifteenth, you know nearly everybody's ahead of you. But that's not. It's not like we're playing. We're not playing eleven through eighteen at all. Yeah. <laughs> so like at some point that's got to flip, um, and our schedule is going to get easier. Uh, we just have to get some better results, turn out some results against these strong teams. Because if we want to do anything uh, in the long run of the season, we are going to have to beat good teams. Um, because yeah. you can't you can't make the playoffs in this league by just beating the bad teams. You have to uh, get results against good teams as well so yeah um next question is from richard and he says looking at tuesday's squad it appeared that a few key players were deliberately rested during the three games and eight days stretch considering the performance and the win was resting players the tactic here or did mcginnis pick his best team to win the game um i'll say rest yeah i think it was rest more than anything else um i believe alex was probably deliberately rested on saturday against red bulls um i think maybe i think you know devon kerr talked about and you tweeted about this devon kerr said on saturday that he thought that mcginnis was going to be the end of the jorge herrera era um and they actually talked about this a little bit more during the game and let him kind of expound on his hot take um and it's i don't think it was once he explained it, it, it was much less hot takey. Um, yeah. I, essentially, what he was saying is what I've been saying in conversations with you offline or off the podcast. In the, in that yeah. the way that we're playing the pressing, um, Jorge's just not going to be able to play from the start every single game. I think yeah. I think people just need to come to terms with the that the way that we are playing. Jorge is in incredible shape. He yeah. is it's phenomenal that he's even able to play it all at 38 years old, but his body, if we play him every single game from the start and play him 60 to 90 minutes a game every weekend and week out, his body is going to be broken by week 20. Uh, we have, he McGinnis has to manage his minutes because of the way that we play. Um, because when he has played, he has played very, very well. Like he has been so good for us when he has played if we can extrapolate that out for the whole season and it means that he has to miss a game here and there or if he has to come off the bench for 50% of the games and only start half the time, I think we've, you've got to accept that because when he's given you th- these minutes, they're quality minutes. We've seen over the years under Coach Jeffries, Coach Jeffries is not the one to really rotate. He's not one to he, – he likes to pick an 11 and stick with it. Um, and, and we've seen Jorge pick up – muscle injuries late in the season probably because he's being a little bit overworked so i think we need to just come to terms with now the fact that jorge is not going to be the first name on the team sheet um but what he is going to be is a crucial player for us whether he starts and plays 60 minutes whether he goes with a full 90 or whether he comes off the bench for 20 minutes at the end of the game um i i think he's got a role to play and I think he knows that, and I think McGinnis knows that he's a good player. There's no way that Jim McGinnis is watching what Jorge Herrera is doing and saying, oh, I don't want to use him. He's saying, 
oh, I want to use him, so I have to manage these minutes early in the season. I have to make sure that he's fit week in and week out whether so he can give you 30 to 60 quality minutes you know um so you know i think the big it was nice to see enzo get a a full day off um i was getting worried that we're gonna have to use him there at the end but we can't we held on strong (laughs) um i think that was important because i think i think enzo maybe needed rest and maybe he just needed a, a night off and he just needed to to see that um you know the team is he doesn't have to do everything you know um, mm-hmm. I think he's pressing a little bit. We've seen him get frustrated. I think more often than not, he's frustrated with himself. Um, he's trying to find where he fits in, in this new system because it is a very different role for him. Um, I think he's trying to figure out where he's going to score goals, where he's going to assist goals. Um, and I think he's going to have a really good game on Saturday. I, I expect him to be in the starting 11 on Saturday. Um, and that kind of brings us to to Richard's next question. He said, "Should McGinnis play the same team le- or with the likes of Enzo and Miller on the bench? But if not exactly the same team, what should remain the same?" It, that's an interesting conversation because I think a lot of what we had on Tuesday night was good for a lot of good reasons in the sense that our midfield was exceptional. We, we had a lot of good points on the field that didn't, um, it didn't leave too many holes on the field, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that was necessarily the roster as it was maybe just being comfortable where what we were doing. Um, I think we are going to definitely see some changes. I would love, I obviously think Enzo will be back in the lineup for Herrera yeah, um, that's the I'll one. Be... That's the that's the main one I would point to, um, yep. and I would also think that Taku is probably going to slide to the bench in favor of Kevon George. Yeah, I'll be interested. I I, I will. It'd be curious to see if Mark Hill, um, if it'll be Mark Hill or or Taku swapping out. For I think George. I think you, you got to keep Mark Hill. I think between mm-hmm. Hill and Taku, I think Hill has been uh, pretty superior in my eyes, especially in the middle of the field. Um, mm-hmm. I think Taku gets lost sometimes. Um, he, he has his moments obviously where he does well, but he also has those, those brain fart moments where he turns the ball over in the middle of the field. Um, and we can't have those. Um, yeah. so I, and, and, and Kivon can clean some of that up. So if, if you are going to have, I guess, Taku on the field, you definitely have to have Kivon. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I expect Kivon to be in there. I expect, Enzo to slide in for Jorge. Um, but on the wings in the back four, I would keep everything the same. Uh, the back, that back four is finally starting to look like a little bit of a unit. Um, yeah. I think we need to try to maximize. I mean, really we don't have a lot of options when it comes <laughs> to the back four anyways, uh, because I don't believe Aaron Mond is going to be healthy enough to play um, from what we've seen. At least he still wasn't on the bench on Tuesday uh, Joel Johnson's backup is Taku as far as we know. Um, and he's been, I mean, he's, he's a 90 minutes player for us mm-hmm. almost regardless of anything else. And then we really don't have a natural backup for Gutman, although they are, the independents are teasing an announcement that is, um, a player who can be a backup for Gutman. Um, <laughs> yeah. so I don't know if that, if there's any thought of resting Gutman, um, 
but yeah, there, there's really not a whole lot of options. The only coin toss really, I guess, is Brandon Miller versus Curtis Anderson. And mm. I didn't really see a whole lot. I mean, Anderson didn't have to do a whole lot. So it's hard to say if he's ready to play in a huge rivalry game. Um, just for that reason, I, I think I'd go back to Miller um, because Miller's got that experience. He knows he's seen this team play. He's he's mm-hmm. played against some of these players um knows a little bit what to expect and yeah i i would i would expect to see i think jorge will probably end up on the field at some point i just think it, it'll be off the bench oduro is another one i don't know if you bring him off the bench because nicky jackson has been so good um uh, mm-hmm. but maybe he needs a rest because he did he did go the full 90 minutes in each of the last two games so maybe he does need a few minutes off so maybe you go completely swap out the front two and, and bring in Oduro and um, Enzo. And so there's a, there's a number of ways you could go. Jake is another player. I think I'd be surprised to see him go the full 90. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start, but I, I'd i be surprised if he went the whole game. Um, I mean, the nice thing is with our front four, we have a lot of options. Um, we can play, you know, no matter who's going to be on the bench, they're probably going to be pretty quality. So if we do need a goal late in the game in the second half, we can bring somebody off the bench who can make a difference, um, which is not something that we could always say in the years past. Yep. So I think we have a lot of good options, especially with the player to be named. Um, I mean, I, we, I'm not trying to hide who it is. I just, I figured we'd talk, I figured we'd talk about it after the questions. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah okay <laughs> um okay so richard so this is a question oh i didn't even notice this. he said airman sorry is it airman or armin now it's armin, it's armin now sorry jake armin looked really spent if not injured in the final 10 minutes very surprised he wasn't subbed off not sure how it looked on tv didn't even notice um and then jake uh he was right in front of you on your side of the field of goose uh richard said unless our bench was somehow unaware it was surely a gamble to let him tough it out did you notice him injured or anything because i didn't <laughs> well, in the second half he was on the because uh richard actually texted me and said uh tell mcginnis that that uh jake is spent so uh yeah <laughs> i funny. didn't personally notice it i mean I, it seemed like the more I think about it and the, the what what I was looking at with the stats too, he didn't he definitely seemed like he was more heavily involved in the, the first half because I think he had twenty total passes, which I was a little surprised about to see. Um and I don't remember him being particularly involved in the second half. Um so that could have been it. Um I think with the change too, with Mensali coming on, that kind of contributed to it, but I hope he's fine. I mean, I think he, he's been He's been top quality every time he's been on the pitch for us, I think. Um, and, and he's added something to our attack um, every time. Yeah, maybe I'll have to change my uh, prediction then about Jake starting. So maybe we'll see uh, <laughs> Maybe we'll see Oduro or um, Mensali slide in for Jake if he was indeed uh, got picked up a little knock or something. Maybe he just had a cramp. Um, yeah. Hopefully it was just – It was hopefully it was nothing serious because we don't have the depth um, to really have guys be going down this early in the season. Um, All right. Our buddy, Matt 
Bo Round and Round says, which was the best pairing from the Bethlehem game? Joel and Alex, uh, Gutman and Jake, or Jackson and Herrera? This is a really good question. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is really good. I think um, Jackson sorry, and Herrera probably would take the lead if uh, Nikki had laid the ball off to Jorge for the third goal. Or maybe it would have just at that point just been the second goal. I'm not sure when that took place during the game. Uh, but there was a it was a two on two and both players uh, chased Nikki Jackson and left Jorge wide open. If he had laid it off and Herrera had scored it, I would have gone with those two. But I think I'm going to go with Joel and Alex because most of our attacks came down the right side um, and they were linking up all over the place. They were Joel was hounding them defensively. Joel was so good defensively. Um, yeah, he. I mean, I I can't remember a single attack that threatened from Joel's side. Um, he was just he was phenomenal, and Alex had a part to play there too. Alex was really good, um, but yeah, I, I'm gonna go with those two for the pairing of the game. Yeah, I think it, it's tough because I will honestly say Nikki Jackson and uh, and Herrera because I think the the sheer ability for them to create something different it felt like with the attack i think is what really helped out because i think similar the the way enzo has been playing for us herrera was playing that kind of a a a tease where he'd move forward and then he'd come back for to for support in the in the center of the field but i think he did it even more so than enzo maybe um which helped out our midfield a tremendous amount in building that attack and his there was a little, still bit, a little bit of kinks working with with Nikki, but I think they did quite well uh, together and really just contributed to the continual uh, attack that we had throughout the game. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, this is also from Matt. He says, "Is it safe to assume that Enzo makes it back into the starting eleven for the North Carolina FC match? If so, which starter from last night has to move to the bench?" Um. I think. If it is safe to assume that Enzo makes it back, I think it's going to be for Jorge. Um, or I guess you could go with Nicky Jackson. So either one of those, Enzo and Jorge, I, I just, I'd rather, I think I'd rather see Jorge come in for the last 30 or 40 minutes of the game rather than mm-hmm. start and only be able to play the first half or something. Um, but I think that's one that the coach is going to have to wrestle with uh, because that is a tough call. Um, because like you said, they were so, uh, Nikki and Jorge were so good together. Um, it's kind of tough to go away from that, but mm. this early in the season, you might have to, for, you know, the sake of the length of the season. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, okay. So this is also from Richard and he said, I want to hear your thoughts on Bethlehem not returning the ball after it was kicked out of play by an independent by an independence player because one of their players was down injured. Like many of us in the stands, I'm pretty sure Mark Hill wasn't a fan of it. Um, yeah, that made me pretty mad. It made Jorge really mad. Uh, that was the angriest I've ever seen Jorge with another player. Um, I've seen Jorge. We've seen Jorge um, get a little bit angry at the referee. And occasionally really angry at the referee, but very rarely. But that's the that's the first time I've ever seen Jorge be angry with another player. Um, if you don't remember it, it was at the very end of the first half. Um, we had the ball 
in their final third. Uh, we were moving it around. I don't remember. This was this was when the guy went down with the hamstring injury. I don't remember what happened that caused the injury, but he went down. Oh, and, Goodman destroyed him in the box. Yeah, and then we played the ball out of bounds um, so he could get treatment. And then they want, it, it was a pretty long stoppage, actually. Um, and it, it was after the added time it started for halftime. So it was like the 41st, 45th minute plus one. Um, and they threw the ball in. And rather than giving it back to us, they played a long ball and um, tried to advance the ball. And it eventually ended up going out of bounds. And the referee just blew the whistle. Uh, which I think the referee actually handled that moment really well because um, there was he could have definitely added a couple of more minutes because of the stoppage um, because he was receiving treatment for a while. It, it was not like a yeah. quick stoppage. He was down for two or three minutes receiving treatment. So the referee could have allowed play to continue. Um, but I think he did the smart thing by just blowing the whistle going to halftime because if Bethlehem had scored from that, I think you would have seen uh, – um, I think you would have seen a bigger – incident than what there was already some angry angriness and a little bit of pushing and shoving um but i think it really would have popped off had they scored a goal off of not giving us the ball back after we played it out um i don't know you know that's that you don't see that a lot um and usually if you do it's late in a game and it's you know it's an important i i, I it, you rarely see it um mm-hmm. it was disappointing for sure um because that, that that's just that's not playing the game the right way um no, if you play was, if you play yeah. the ball out for an injury you give it back um and so it was yeah. it, that was disappointing and i think that was why jorge was so upset um and i think that actually led to him losing his cool a little bit um which which is so rare for him um but yeah it was um it was pretty messed up i thought yeah, that I I, rem- I just now remember that full that full exchange and like Taku was like basically headed towards the box and realized there was a guy down in the mm-hmm. box. Yeah, and he didn't have to do that. The no, he could. Was he could have. They could have played on by the rules, you know. Yeah, but he and, he did the right he did the right thing in that situation too because I, I you know mm-hmm. there's there's times where I think uh, it's appropriate to to play on. I think had it been. Uh, had it been a player, had it been Bethlehem's striker or something on the other side of the play, I think it would have been appropriate to, for us to keep playing. But with a pl- with it being a defender, with it being in their box, um, I think he did the right thing by playing it out, and Bethlehem just didn't didn't reciprocate that by by giving it back. Yep, I, I think yeah, I, I agree with what he did. It's just the yeah, like you said, the lofting it towards one of their strikers was kind of not. Well, when they first kicked it, I thought they were just giving it back to us, you know, deeper on the field. But then when they, I think when they didn't give it back, I was like, why in the world? I I got kind of mad. And so I was really glad that the referee just decided to blow the whistle um, before really probably it was time to, uh, because he he probably avoided a conflict that, you know, you don't want to see. No. Um, All right. That is all the questions. That was a lot. Thank you, guys. Uh, I know we had a lot to cover. We had uh, two games and then uh, some news coming through. I don't even think we talked about Nikki Jackson in the last podcast because I don't think it had been announced yet. Um, but Nikki Jackson is on loan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we've already talked about him. 
Uh, but another player that we're going to be adding to the roster, it looks like they're going to announce it tomorrow, is uh, Michael Maria, who mm-hmm. is a Dutch left back slash left wing slash defensive midfielder, um, which is good. I think that's a great addition. Uh, I don't really know anything about him, uh, but I'm going to make a couple assumptions in that he's Dutch. He's played, um, I think, exclusively in the Netherlands. He's probably pretty technical, um, which is an interesting thing um, because Dutch players aren't necessarily known for their physicality, which is one thing that Jim McGinnis seems to uh, put an emphasis on. So uh, I'm going to be interested to see how he fits um, because if he's a – if he doesn't have that physicality, he might have a hard time getting on the field. Um, but if he has a good mixture of physicality and technical technical ability, uh, maybe similar to like Mark Hill. Mark Hill, Mark Hill has a good blend of physicality and technical ability. Um, I, I think he could be play a good role for us because I mean Andrew Gutman can't play every game. Um, that's not realistic. I know he's young. I know he's. Um, he's spry as the kids or as the old people say um but he's not gonna be able to play every game so it's good to have a, ba- a natural backup because we don't have that right now um we have jake who can play there in a pinch um and then we have mansali who looks to be more of a winger than a left back um, but michael maria has played almost exclusively left back and defensive midfield recently mm-hmm. uh and it at some of his uh, career, he's played left midfield. Um, I think most recently he played in the Eerste Divisie, which is the second division in Dutch, uh, because his team yep. last season got relegated, uh, which yep. is sad. They're going to get promoted this year, though. I've looked at they this. They are, but um, interesting that he's not getting on the field for them. Um, yeah. That's always – that's I'm sure that's tough for him. Uh, but he's, he's still fairly young. He's 24 years old. So he's not, um, he's certainly not past his prime by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know what to, you know, having not seen him play, I don't really know what to make of him other than just assumptions. Um, I assume he'll probably be able to put in a pretty good cross and he'll probably be good playing out of the back. Um, but yeah, it's, he's a solid depth piece, I think on paper. Um, yeah can can play in multiple positions which is always nice um because it's not you know it's nice to have an extra body that can slot slot into the midfield as well as left back so yeah it seems like he's gonna be a pacey type player too um i mean he is he's uh i thought he was a lot taller than uh he actually is based on watching him play um but he's about five nine um he's pretty thin framed uh individual um but yeah, I'm excited. I think he'll he'll add another spark to it. I'm curious to see if he's going to be put in as a midfielder, left wing, or left back. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, the more versatility, the better. Um, I think we've seen that with a lot of players on our squad. And yeah, I, I think it's. Uh, I guess it means we need another uh, flag because he also has played with uh, Curacao. Um, Curacao. Yeah. Curacao. Oh. Yeah man well i tried um <laughs> yeah he he's played as recently as was it I, was it the last uh, international break wasn't it yep last international break um which i think they they actually lost to uh antigua and yeah but uh yeah he uh he is still in the the spectrum of uh of that club as well or that national team so he's uh i'm excited i think it's good 
we didn't quite get a center back like, like you were wanting, but um, well, still time. So yeah, I hope we I hope we do add somebody because uh, if Aaron Mond is out, you know, for any more time, and somebody else goes down, we're going to be in big trouble. Um, I saw that Henry Kalungi was at the game last night. Uh, I maybe did see maybe that. we can yeah. call him up and <laughs> sign him to a, uh, a contract. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, you, you never know you're going to need an extra center back. Um, that's, that's true. So uh, yeah, that is the news. Um, I think that's all the news. I don't. I don't think there's any other news. There's a game Saturday. Uh, sorry, it we is. didn't. We we didn't have time to grab a guest for this podcast. We had to cover two games and um things have just been crazy for me at work um we have we somebody just left and we just hired a new person but they're not all trained up yet so there's a lot of stuff that we are uh scrambling to cover for um and i am just completely slammed but only one only one more week of that because i'm going on vacation in a couple in like 10 days um so yeah independence play this Saturday against North Carolina FC. Obviously, it's a huge game. Um, we need to get a win in the Southern Derby Cup. I would like to compete for that this year. Um, yep. And it would just be nice to get a win over our uh, rivals. Mm-hmm. And another win, just period, because only got one so far. Two is better than one. It's, that is math. I've, I've just checked that. And I would really like to stick it to Dave Sarakin because I do not like him. Yeah, that'd be nice. And it I, also would be fantastic because it would bring us within a point of their uh, total. Uh, I, the, yeah. So I don't want to get too much into my dislike for Dave Sirikin, but if he plays the same boring soccer that he played when he was the national team manager, like they're going to be calling for his head because he like, he played he managed some of the most boring soccer I've ever watched in my life. Um, yeah, so hopefully the independents can take advantage of boring old Dave Sarakin and, uh, <laughs> and get a win on Saturday. But if not, um, we'll be there to support anyways. So I kind of want to get out of here because this episode has gone really long and, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of everybody's time. So, uh, unless you have anything to add, we will sign off with our familiar sign off. Um, for Alex Warren and Ben Gosshorn. Hope everybody has a great rest of the week. And as always, come on, you jacks. Woo!